0: Thank you. Really happy to be here. I'm going to be talking about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. When people have asked me about my background, I typically just say, well, I'm a troubleshooter. And you'll see kind of how I'm going to relate that to what was um, discussed in the CFO survey. So who am I? I currently run the Manage Accounting Solutions Group at AAFCPAs, which is a mixture of lots of things. It's cloud accounting, it's outs- outsourced accounting, and it's consulting. I've been here since December, but I always say I've been a long-term friend of the firm and um, finally decided to to join, or they decided to hire me. Not quite sure which one, but it's been a really good marriage, so I'm happy to be here. I've been working for over 35 years doing lots of different things. For profit, not for profit, CFO, COO, public companies, uh, all sorts of experience, board advisor, So I I feel like I can come at issues with a lot of different perspectives that I hope you'll find helpful throughout this presentation. So Matthew talked a little bit about the survey report. I think many of you in the room have actually participated in this, um, so we really appreciate that. But I'm going to focus on one particular area. If you look at the pie, there's one piece, kind of the purplish, mauve-ish piece that's about 33%. It has to do with HR bandwidth, all of that. Just from a quick show of hands, how many people have current open positions in their finance department? So we're gonna hopefully talk about maybe some things that can help with that and you know if there's any good takeaways for you I hope that'll work. One of the things that we want to look at is right sizing because we think that's a good tool to try to address this um, gap that we have in the hiring and what we want to do is think about it in a proactive way. I think many of us know what downsizing is, but I don't know if many of you heard what right sizing is. And it's much more of a proactive approach. We want to look at the right skill sets to meet the primary challenges and the strategic initiatives. So what does that mean? I'll give you an example from one of my current clients. They are a home health agency. And when I went in to kind of look at them, they were looking at cash flows and whatnot. When I went in to look at them, their biggest challenge right now was in their denial rates from MassHealth. When I looked at their structure in their back office, I didn't find resources that were really specific for those areas. They hadn't really right-sized. They had been right-sizing for issues that they had had earlier in their life cycle, but weren't really addressing the current issue. So I think that's really important, and that's where the proactiveness comes in, constantly looking at what your current strategic objectives are, what your current pain points are, and really try to right-size to that. I really think that's important when we talk about this second bucket, is you really need to understand what those pain points are. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the strategy that I use, and then my uh, I've got a nice team that I work with here. And then we have to make sure it's the right cost to the organization, because I think we all know, gee, if funds were unlimited, I could bring in this person and do this and do that. And I won't even ask for a show of hands as to who has unlimited funds, because I think that, that wouldn't, I uh, wouldn't get too many responses to that. All right, so why is this an important topic now? I think that, in the, particularly in the Boston Metro West area, we have a real scarcity of good um, training and skilled people in the finance area. And I think that's probably what a lot of you are bumping into is we just don't have the available people. And you know, what do you do about that? We also have high turnover. I think every one of us here has been subjected to LinkedIn, whether it's through for ourselves or for people on our staff. People are searching for keywords. It's a really helpful tool when you're doing the recruiting. It's not so helpful when you've got people on your team that have um, skills that other people want They're able to reach them. They're able to find them. And we're finding that because of this environment, there's lots more turnover than we used to have. And then obviously, as we heard earlier from Amanda and Matt, that the responsibilities for the finance team are expanding. Lots more compliance issues, new regulatory issues, new pronouncements from the various governing bodies. So it's a really expanding team and responsibility. And the other piece of this is data, right? A lot more boards are coming back and saying, well, do you have data on this? And how can we support that? So that's really an expansion of the finance team that's been recent in the last you know, five years or so. So how do we go about kind of right sizing? And I usually look at this as kind of my stool. I've got three legs of a stool. I look at process, I look at people, and I look at the systems. And I'm going to do a bit of a deeper dive into each one of them. I know I'm in sort of this nano presentation, so I'll have to go through it quickly. But um, as others, I'll be around all day to answer any questions. OK, so process. I typically ask for a whiteboard, and I see a few of my clients in the audience, and I think you can agree that I do this either virtually or out on your site, and we kind of go through the whole process. We try to identify where the pain points are. So if there's you know, one document that's going back and forth among different departments, or it's taking a long time to get it back, or something else, I always find whiteboarding is a really helpful tool for me to kind of really visualize where the pain points are. And then we have to discuss the prioritization of those and then also the timelines for it. Because it's one thing to identify it, it's another thing to say, okay, where does this fit in all of the other items that I'm addressing? And what's my timeline for fixing it? What kinds of interdependencies do I need and how do I get there? And then measure. So as an example, at one of my clients, um, they were trying to reduce the number of days it took them internally to get back physician's orders. Now that's measurable. So you want to go through and make sure you're tracking that. Make sure you have tools in place to track it so that you can really evaluate how you're doing on it. And that would all be part of the plan that we would put together. Onto the next leg of the stool, we're going to look at systems. I think many of us think of systems and we think of efficiencies, which is my number one piece here. But I also wanna talk about completeness. And to go back to the example of the physician's orders, I had another client, a situation where we were getting denials back from mass health because we did not have physicians orders in place for this particular patient so the question then came back i thought well you know how can we not have this if we have a process what has broken down why do we not have one at all so i went to the person responsible for this and said you know whatever happened and she said it never showed up on my report So that's where we get to this block of completeness and say, well, why didn't it show up on your report? So you kind of have to do a deep dive. And in this particular situation, it was because things going to that department were only for patients that were in an admission status. Well, they had patients that they were looking at that were still in referral status, and no one had flipped that switch. So that's a very good example of making sure your reports are complete. It was a very simple change. We went back and said, nothing can be scheduled for a patient until that, that switch is flipped. And that makes the report complete. So I don't want to just talk about you know, the efficiencies, but I, I refer to this as the single source of truth. Make sure that the reports that people are using to do their job are complete. From an internal controls perspective, we also have to look at the validity, the timeliness, the accuracy. But from an internal perspective we also want to look at the usability. All right, people. Who should we hire to meet our challenges? So when we've identified the pain points and we've come up with our plan, we've also identified are these one-time issues? Are these ongoing issues? Is this a day-to-day issue? And from that you can make other decisions. So some of my clients are people that come to me and say Look, you know, we just have this one issue where we're trying to get our grant tracking up to speed. Can you help with that? We think once we've got that in place, we can use our current staff to continue on with that. But that's one way to look at that. Who do you hire? Do you outsource for a piece of it? Is it something that's going on day to day, and it's a really high critical compliance piece? Well, then you want to make sure that you're hiring for that, but maybe you're hiring on a part-time basis so that you're not over-hiring or under-hiring. So those are all the types of things that you can look at when you're talking about hiring to meet your challenges. All right, the second one, how do we keep them engaged right, and relevant? Obviously, a lot of training. And the other thing, not that I'm an HR person, but after 30 years of working with people, um, a couple of the things that I use um, as a tool are what I call um, level ups and skip levels. So th- I don't think there's anything more frustrating, and this is kind of talking to the third bullet, of when you lose someone, either through an engage, you know, they've just lost engagement or they actually leave your firm, when it's something that you can deal with. I'll give you an example. I had one person that left um, one of the organizations because she said, I want to go to an investment company because I really like investments. Well, this company had a big endowment. We could have moved her over to that, but she didn't know that. And so without having a dialogue through a one-on-one or a level up to the people above her, talking about things that are just non-job task related, Those types of questions come out. And I think we often find things in our exit interviews when we think, I could have done something about that. And having these level ups and then a skip level, having them have a routine voice with the person above their direct supervisor also helps with that. Because you do talk about things that aren't just very task and day-to-day job related. The frequency I tend to like to use is to do your level ups you know, at least once every two weeks and a uh, skip level no more than every six weeks. So that's something I usually suggest to my clients as well. I think we're getting close to our um, end, and I want to make sure that I have time for any questions, because it's a pretty complicated process, but I think the results of right sizing can really help you meet your objectives. Um, you want to continue, continue, continue to evaluate for relevancy. What are my current pain points? People often ask me, how often should I do this? Anytime there's a major change in some sort of, whether it's a regulation or something coming from FASB or GASB or something, that's always a, a chance to reevaluate. If you're getting some sort of external issues, like the example I gave with this denial rate all of a sudden started shooting through the roof, that's another time to evaluate. I wouldn't go more than a year with really sitting down and assessing where you're at. And then it's a matter of just right-sizing your organization. Can I shift people around? Can I have them focus on my more important items right now? Can I outsource a piece of this? Can I bring in someone just to do a particular project? How do I do this? I think many of us get stuck in the, I need to close my books. I need to have all of my accounts reconciled. But there's more to it, and I want you to continually evaluate that. And again, you know, right sizing is really proactive, so I want to really stress that. And you know, I think we talked before about some of the other departments at AAFCPAs. We can help with this uh, if, you'd, if you'd like. I'm always happy just to even have a discussion with you uh, if there's any way that we can get around it, because I think we've all felt the pain of not having good talent or losing good talent in this really difficult marketplace. All right, so I left plenty of time for questions and answers, because there may be some things that are very specific to your organizations. Yes, Carla. (laughs) It's not a plant question. It really is a question. She usually tries to throw me off, (laughs) actually. No, because I I get this question from clients all the time. Um, I need to understand how our administrative function is compared to peer organizations? It's really difficult to get that question because in certain cases we can go to a UFR, but everybody's so different in their programs, where they're located, in their funding. So when we get that question, I mean, is there some advice to give them without, because I, I don't want to do anything that I don't think is the right thing to do, and yep. if, I don't, if I don't think it's the right process, then how do you go about that? Yeah. Well, it's a good question. And I think, what, and let me see if I answer it, and if not, come back with some additional questions. But if you can see, based on my background, I've had a, a very different background. Lots of different types of clients, different size companies. I've dealt with startups all the way to, you know, 500 million dollar organizations. And the process that I'm talking about right now is pretty agnostic. And so it's really just taking whatever that organization is and going through this process, whiteboarding it. It's going to be very different for each organization, but this process is pretty agnostic. And we also, based on having you know over 300 nonprofit audit clients, we do see some best practices. So once we've kind of identified your pain points, We can go back and say, oh, I know this company did this with their ADP reports to try to get their grant tracking in place. So it's kind of a combination of both things, identifying using this same process and then also kind of using the best practices that we've seen both within our organization with all of our clients and just us really understanding the industry. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think the process is agnostic, but we can build on that with lots of of depth of knowledge. Uh, And I also want to stress just as as an aside, There is a little bit of a a wall that comes up. Um, If anybody's in a test client, we have to be very careful what we do from an analysis perspective. We certainly can do some work. But there is a wall, obviously, from an independence perspective. So I think most people are already doing the quarterly meetings within their departments. And if you're not, you probably should be where, where you're having a dialogue. I suggest these be one-on-ones because things come up in those that they wouldn't want to share, and I want them to be more personal. So the quarterly reviews is typically very much focused on what's happening in the organization, where we see things going, you know, where, where are we having troubles in our monthly close, those types of things. The level ups give them an opportunity to talk about other things that are going on, could be stressors in the particular job, It could be difficulties you're having with their supervisor. And people don't want to go above someone's head, but if it's scheduled already, um, it it gives them a nice voice and a nice opportunity to do it. So I would say both. Oftentimes what I've found is some of the things that come up in the one-on-ones, I then realize are systemic in the group. And it could be a management style of a particular supervisor. It could be reports that they're getting. It could be something like that. And then I'd bring them to the quarterly meeting at at the next quarterly meeting. But I do think people speak up. And I also like to think about the people that are are in my department. I think in most finance organizations, you're going to find people who may be more introverted. And sometimes they're not as comfortable talking up in a meeting. So in a one-on-one, it gives them a stronger voice. All right. Well, I'll be around all day, so please feel free to reach out. And uh, my contact information is also available. So thank you.